This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. In, in worship, I was reminded of um, Psalm 24-7 because, you know, things like this happen and the team, they come in prepared, we pray, but they've had their preparation days, what, whatever, their whole lives probably. But, but they come in and they become access points for the movement of God and for the glory of God and for the praise of God and and portals. And, and then you understand God's entrance to the earth happens through humans. He doesn't just like come out of a vacuum. And so Psalm 24-7 says, Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors. And so when I thought of that, that verse, because the next, the next part of that verse says, And the King of glory shall come in. And the cool thing about that is, we're doorways. And, and so I sat there thinking, oh, Jesus, I just want to let you cross the threshold of my existence. You know, I don't want to just wait for you to come and touch me on the outside, which he will always do. Because, I mean, he's here. He's going to touch. He touches outside, inside. He just wants to become everything to us and, and kind of consume us. But when he consumes us, we, do, we become a pathway. Our words, our viewpoints, our everything. And so I, I want you to be um, wide open tonight because I'm, I'm going to touch into some things that are incredibly serious. And I, I told the worship team when we were praying before how ironic that I come with probably one of the most serious messages that I've I've spoken, taught in, I don't know, a year or two or I don't know. I mean, it feels really weighty and serious, but not not legally binding and I come in and it's you know it's candy land it's candy land and I think almost even that please hear my heart tonight and don't hear what I'm not saying please just hear what what I feel like the Lord has filled my heart with because he has provided for us the sweet space you know you know how people say like in in their golf game or in in their craft or whatever you hit a sweet spot well you know God in his omniscience, he had a plan, but he knew, he knew how he would unfold it, but he knew what would happen. And I want you to hear me. He's still entrusted man because he knew being the complete provider, originator, and creator that he could redeem anything we would do. And so before, I mean, he does turn graves into gardens. He did it. He saw, ahead. Jesus was crucified before the foundation of the world in God's plan. God knew exactly what was going to happen, what was going to unfold. And he had already made us in an image of him whereby we would be the garden. So I want you to hear my heart tonight because we're going to look at some things. There's a lot of... There's a lot of stuff that's put on God's shoulders, blame that goes towards God. Um, and, and yes, I'm going to say, and please don't hate me for this, blame that goes toward the devil. That actually, we, we have to own it. And, and okay, like already I can tell, like, because I know, I know how I used to hear things like that and think, no, Jesus is the Savior. I'm not the Savior. No, we're not the Savior. But the way God built us, and that's why I'm going to say to you tonight, listen even more intently to what Pastor Gavin is bringing, because 
what God's doing in the earth right now is quite profound because he's taking his family back to a place of an interior space to understand that you want to see miracles out here, but you need to let me do the miracle in here. Probably 25 years ago, God said to my, how, to my heart, um, the body of Christ hasn't been fully evangelized. And, oh, you know, I was in a denominational church at the time and very involved in outreach and, you know, like the Tuesday morning women's visitation. And I love to see people get born again and stuff. So I heard it through my filter. And I thought about, yes, let's get people born again. Let's get people home in heaven. Let's get people home in heaven. But you see, when God opened his mouth and said, let there be light, he wanted to bring the heavenly realm into earthly manifestation. So he was never about, let's turn this puppy around. It's full circle. Let me take you back to the unseen. I hope you're hearing my heart because there are things God wants to do in all of us. So um, I want to go to Genesis. So go with me to Genesis. And trust me, this thing's been brewing in me for, well, you know how long it's been since, I mean, even my last time I was going to teach, I just felt like the Lord said it was supposed to be grace, and it was, and, and it was exactly right. And probably because some of this stuff, he was like, I don't want you to say it yet. You know, I mean, everything that God speaks through anybody always becomes the landing pad for the next thing. And, and that's how God teaches us. It's how, how we're built to learn is, you know, one piece at a time, one revelation at a time, one insight at a time, one seed at a time. But one seed never stays one seed, right? Um, so we're going to go to Genesis because I want to look at um, the aspect of um, life and death <laughs> and our viewpoint of life and death. Um, and um, I said this too at our prayer time. I wrote this at the top of my page. I want to simplify some things. And I walk in and this is not simple. This is, this is not simple. It's extreme. It's expressive. It's got lots of parts. Um, but I also, I feel like God, I feel like God wants to unscramble some negative perspective of Him. Okay? Um, and I titled this message, and whether or not this will hold until tomorrow, Linda, we'll see when I finish, because there's probably four messages in this one, because my heart is all over the place. But I think it's going to be communication, communion, connection. And, uh, you know, when I said what Psalm says, which is, you know, open, open up gates, open up ye doors, some of that is not just so that he can walk through us into the world, but into us. Years ago, we had um, uh, a minister that would come here and minister, and he would say, intimacy means to this, means this, into me see. Like when I have intimacy with God, it's so that God can see into me. Intimacy, into me. And I think sometimes we, we get doctrine, we get all these things that teach us, and our hearts are, are right in the main, you know, and we, we want to do right by God, but we get so caught, so caught up. Now, hear my heart. Don't just hear my words, hear my heart. We get very caught up in right and wrong. And I don't believe that God's focus is right and wrong, though there are things that are right, righteous, profitable, 
and things that are not. But I don't think he's caught up in that. I think that his whole focus is life, which is him, or death, which is not him. Which is why I think this message is called communication, communion, connection. Because if you are, if I am connected to life, I'm going to live. This is why in, in the medical fields, when they hook people up to machines, it's life support. See, we use a lot of things for life support. I'm doing air quotes. In our lives that really don't have life. But we use it to get us through. We take breath from things that aren't cool. So I, I, I want to go, you know, in the whole creation story, um, I love the creation story. I think there, Genesis is so much bigger than the ink on the page. Um, there are verses, and, and one of the ones I'm going to take you to, these verses have more pages in sometimes one verse than the whole book. Because the intention of God's heart was to unlock our understanding. You see, God's not trying to make you do good and do right. He wants to unlock your understanding so that you can perceive him, so that you can breathe in him and with him, so that he can communicate to you, literally communicate into you, breathe into you life. If you do CPR, the person doing the CPR is breathing life into the recipient, the one who needs to be resuscitated. And you see, this is, this is God's beauty. We can have graves all the time in life and think we're living a great life. You can be a multimillionaire and be guaranteed that it will go generation to generation and still inside feel like you're dying every moment of every day. So let's look at this, um, this verse. Breathe. It's in Genesis 2. Um, then the Lord God, I'm at verse 15 of chapter 2. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. And, and I want to draw your attention just to a little bit of coolness here is that God formed him in the unseen. He formed this spiritual being in the unseen, and then placed him in an earth suit. So you are bigger than this body that I'm looking at. No, seriously, like, we got to breathe that in. Because we are made in God's image. And so our capacity is far more than just being good boys and girls and doing right instead of wrong. Take a deep breath, because honestly, that should bring liberty. That should bring liberty. Because God says, I'll commune with you all the time. And if there's something that is not right for you, you'll know it inside. I will commune with you and I will cause you to know. I think sometimes we don't walk in liberty because we don't, we just think everything's wrong. And so we won't allow ourselves to even live. Pastor Gavin has probably over the past year said a hundred times from the platform, just live your life. Now, his, in his intended, you know, what he's intending with that statement is live it with Jesus. Live it with God. Let God tell you how to exist moment to moment. And that was God's intention, to commune with each human being, not to set up a doctrine that we would obey. I mean, the law on the mountain that Israel built it into was not what God said to Moses. They made over 500 laws, I think. And, you know, some theologian in the room can tell me if I'm wrong, but it's, huh? 
There you go. I said over 500, so I was sort of right. But that's a lot of laws from some, some moral issues where he was literally communing with Moses, giving him his heart. You understand, he was communing with Moses. He wasn't giving commandments. We've called them the commandments. He was, he was making connection. Let's connect because of what happened in the garden. So let's look at what happened in the garden. And the Lord God, uh, wait a minute, 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And really that phrase from the original language is cultivate. He put him there to cultivate it. Now, God knew what was in the garden that wasn't of him. It was no surprise. So when he put the man there, empowering him to cultivate, what do you think he actually had power over? See, God only gives words that bring faith. So he's not going to say, there's a big bad dude in the garden, Adam, and don't be scared, but... I mean, he doesn't talk to us like that, does he? I mean, really, seriously, we've made that in church language. We, we've taught people to speak to the devil and do all, all the, okay, let's just, but let's get back, let's get back to the beginning. Genesis is the book of beginnings. This is the simplest thing that God said to Adam. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, so he empowered the man, he empowered Adam. Of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. See, you see why I looked at you and laughed when we were in prayer and you started talking about, yeah, because, and I looked at Grace and she, because she and I have been talking about this today. So he was given so much freedom. There's an entire vastness here. So he wasn't saying, be really careful because you're going to make a boo-boo. No, he's, he's giving him this directive. He's giving communication. He's communing with him. Communion from God's standpoint, because a lot of times in Scripture it will speak of knowing the Lord or the Lord knowing us. And the knowing that the translations will bring out is that it's such an intimate knowing that it's akin to the relationship of a man and a woman when they conceive. So we're not talking about casual knowing, like just learn my rules and behave. No, we're talking about an intimacy that will empower us to live and not die. So he says, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat, but, 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 it's a big but, you know, there's more buts than the ones you're sitting on in this room, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now we know, I want to talk about death a minute here because we know that Adam didn't drop dead with no breath. So from God's perspective, Death doesn't really just happen when you fall to the ground and there's no more breath. Death starts long before that. But we really have to think about this, guys, because we are completely empowered beings. Say no condemnation. I'm going to go back to saying those kind of things tonight because I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. I grew up in a denomination that kind of taught, I'm being really generous there, kind of taught that death was the punishment for sin. In other words, my picture was that death came from God. That basically he was telling Adam, you're going to drop dead. I'm, gonna, I'm telling you, if you eat of that tree, you're going to die. 
Almost as if, I mean, how many people had parents that would say things like, if you go there, I'll kill you. And it wasn't, they weren't really going to knock you dead. They were going to restrict you for a month or take your car keys or your phone or whatever. Breathe with me for a minute. God's kind of saying that here like, you're not going to literally fall to the ground, Adam, but you need to understand that the choice there is yours. Because God's intention is to always have communication with us, communion, and connection. He doesn't break connection. He makes connection. Man breaks connection. God is not a God of division. Just because he says separate yourself from the unholy thing, he's not a God of division. Why does he say separate ourselves? So that we can be squeaky clean and look cute? No. So that we don't touch that which is going to bring death. Because think about it. That's where death entered. And in the New Testament, it's, there are scriptures that say by one man, not by one God, by one man, death entered, sin entered. Just think about, I mean, seriously, think with me for a minute, because we've got to change our perspective of death. We've been made to be afraid. We lose our lives. We die. We're afraid that some of our relatives are going to physically die before they accept Jesus. And so fear begins to drive how we live our Christian life. Gosh, should that be like that? It shouldn't be that that fears or paranoia or whatever. Literally, he says, in eating of that tree, you will surely die. So what God did, this is the most beautiful thing to me with God. He always gives a point to tuck, a point to hide ourselves, a point for safety. See, even the story could have looked very different from, for Adam and Eve if they had thought to run back to him. If Eve had said, this doesn't sound right. Because inside, you know that they were spirit beings just like us. They had those inclinations. You know those inclinations you get where it might not even be something bad, and you should get this thought, uh, I don't think I should be doing this, or going here, or thinking this way. I mean, this is why I say, please listen, listen intently to our pastor's messages on Sunday, because the difference between where we think in rational thinking and where we live with Jesus Christ in the spirit, which he terms as the mind, it's the mind, the mindset of Christ, they're very different places. <clears throat> what transpired in the fall was God gave these words that would have empowered them to, to stay within the realm of life by just following the simple guideline he gave. He knew that when Adam ate of this tree, and it really wasn't about the tree, it's not about an apple, it's not about a piece of fruit, it's about the direction and who the direction to eat came from. See, often with us, listen deeply, often with us, I mean, Satan spoke scriptures to Jesus in the wilderness. So it ain't just preachers and Holy Spirit people that speak this word. So directions that look real good can come to God's children, but if it feels in here like... Do you think it's him? How many of us have been led by what seemed good and right 
in a church setting or a religious situation, and we've been led into bondage. And then we find it hard to hear from God because we filter everything through that mindset of this is right and this is wrong, this is life and this is death. But if it's the enemy directing you with scriptures, is it life? Jesus didn't say in John 6.63, the scriptures I read to you from the scrolls are spirit and life. He said, my words are spirit and life. And that was because he knew who had spoken the truths from the scrolls to him. So he didn't quote just the scrolls. In fact, he would say to his crowds of people, you have heard it said, but I tell you. I could say that to you tonight. You've heard it said that death will come to you if you do wrong. But I'm saying, please go with me to Genesis and recognize the gift given to Adam. The warning given to Adam that there was going to be a trick at a tree and someone was going to talk to him that was not filled with life. And God gave him a warning that came filled with faith and power, not punishment. So do we actually grasp? Part of the reason I think God wanted me to bring some of this to you tonight, because we're going to go to some New Testament scripture passages, because I think we, we misinterpret from this point life and death. And we actually then begin to get fearful of death instead of captivated by life. And the trick in that can be, we get tricked and trapped by the good thing, not just the voice of God. So do we really grasp how death actually entered the realm of God's perfect creation and how it entered, enters our daily life in micro doses? See, I could say, you know what, I probably shouldn't go there or do that, whatever, whatever it is. But you know, it's really not a big deal. I mean, I, I've, I've done it. Anybody not done that? I mean, we just think, you know, there's really no harm in this. Yeah, we justify all over the place. Not even thinking. This is possibly just step one. Again, I'm not trying to advocate paranoia like, oh, you know, Pastor Brady used to always say, don't. Don't do spiritual thumb on spiritual pulse. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm just saying if we begin to recognize communication, communion, and connection with God and know that he's kind of avoiding having to backtrack to get out of some habits. You know, I had habits when I was younger because I took first steps in. And first steps, you know, become second steps and third steps until it's literally my lifestyle. And I say, you know what, this is just who I am. No harm done. I'm going to heaven, which is true. There's nothing I can do in my life, and I'm not going to say short of anything, because having been saved, 
by the grace of God, there is nothing I could do right now to lose my home in heaven. I'm a child of the Most High God. You can't unmake coffee. I've been recreated. You can't unmake it. However, I could either go sooner or just basically exist in hell here. You know, that, that icky feeling where you... You're not, don't, you're not like taking weight icky stuff, are you? Because I think God wants to open our eyes to understand this is why he comes to us with seemingly small things like, you know, Kath, just don't even take that thought. Don't, just don't even go there. You know, like say, say I'm embarrassed about something or I feel less than in front of certain people or in a particular group. And, and then I go away from that and I, I kind of ponder there and I think a lot about, well, you know, they are better than me. They're smarter than me, whatever, more spiritual, whatever. But we take these thoughts and we begin to build these these thought processes and but if God is there and he's saying you know Kathy don't why are you going down this road don't go down this road he's helping me avoid something that could literally become a huge mindset and perception and perspective of myself through which everything else will be filtered yuck right are you all with me Okay, um, and I'm, I'm just going to sort of reiterate this. Some people view death as the punishment for sinning, but it is the result of choice, not something imposed by God. The death that came to Adam was the result of his choice. It was not something imposed on him. In other words, God didn't just say, I'm going to kill you if you get separate from me. No, he was warning him, there is one, though. He didn't, he didn't name Satan. He just gave, when you get there, don't eat from that tree. So simple, right? So I mean, don't you look back and think, seriously, Adam, you wrecked the whole deal. Just because she, I mean, why didn't you give her full revelation? Because that actually was the deal. He didn't give her full revelation. Um, okay, so it's not something imposed by God. He is life. So separating from him is what brings death. Okay, like... We open the door for things that produce death. There is death on the planet because of choices mankind made. You know, like, don't get mad at the enemy, all the violence that's on the planet and all that. It happened because of humans. Now, he's the root of it because of this right here. He was at that tree, said, I'm going to sow some seed here. And he did. But we're the ones that reproduce it. We say, oh, wow, we can do whatever we want. That's some of, you know, I, I don't diss the grace message that's going on right now. It's just that I like what the Apostle Paul said. He said, because nothing's unlawful to me and I have complete grace, should I presume on that by sinning and doing whatever I want? He says, no, absolutely not. I will not presume on the grace of God. So our hearts toward God would keep us from presuming on the grace. Um, so it's the goodness of God to make our yielded lives perpetual. His care and provision comes to us in every single instance. Right here in warning Adam, his care and provision was coming to this one who was a firstborn of the human existence. Think about that. He was being given a warning. So there was care and provision for all of us given right there. And we should take lessons from that. 
I'll just throw this out because, I mean, this is kind of how it came to me the other day. Well, actually, the other month when I was thinking about some of this was, um, got any trees in your garden, Kathy, where I've said don't eat? I'll leave that lay there. I don't think I'm alone. Um, okay, so so I'm actually wanting to get into some aspects from, and just put it in your notes right now. I'm not sure if I'm going to go there, but Romans 8, 4 to 7. Um, I'm going to read a little bit of it, but I encourage you to ponder there. These are the scriptures I, I felt to go to initially, but then he was, I felt like the Lord said, go back and actually look at the aspect of death. Because we think, be good, get the doctrine correct. If we have the right doctrine, I'll live my life the right way, and I'll be, you know, we even say, like, when we get certain doctrines, like, you know, you get to the point where you can speak in tongues and you can lay hands on the sick and all that, and I'm a spirit-filled Christian now. Really? Like, I mean, we're spirit beings. So, I mean, I don't know why we get all these brownie points and Girl Scout badges, but anyways. Um Romans 8, um, I'm going to start at verse 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. See, if you just give people laws, it just makes them tempted. Because the flesh wants to do stuff that you're not supposed to do. That's the inclination from the fall. God did by sending. What the law couldn't do, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. See, so all that's gone now. God's like, we're not even talking about sin in the flesh. I want to have relationship now. Okay? Some of Paul's writings you have to always get back to. He's pointing to intimacy and communication with God. So in verse 4, it said, this is why, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who did not walk it doesn't say that it would be, you know, like you can't go to heaven unless you do this. It was that the, the righteous law, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus should be fulfilled in us because of what Jesus did, okay? Not because of our good works. Does this make sense? Is this making sense to you guys? Okay. You know, sometimes you're up here and you're teaching what God, and it's like, am I speaking a different language? You know. Um, so it's the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Think again, back to what Pastor Gavin is teaching. He's teaching us, don't just walk in your intelligence. Don't just walk in your brain. You know, we can have the doctrine in our brains and just walk in the doctrine and never touch God. Do you know that this is crazy? But do you know that people who don't even know Jesus can walk in the doctrine? They do it every day. There are people that preach it from the platform and tell people to get born again and don't even walk with Jesus. I'm not judging. It's just an observation. I've been, I've been under some of them. Verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded, naturally minded, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now look at this. Because the carnal mind is enmity, which means at odds. The carnal mind, the brain, even if you got perfect doctrine in your brain, it's at odds with God. Don't, flick, don't freak out here, okay? Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Because if that's what you're depending on, you might be in pride. The carnal mind is at odds against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. 
You can't make your brain obey God. Because the minute you give it rules, it's going to cross the boundary. And here's why. Clark Taylor taught this here, gosh, probably 20 or 25 years ago. Your brain, your, your thinking, your brain, the gray matter, the intelligence is built to protect you. None of this makes any sense. This doesn't make sense to your brain. I mean, even like right now, if you're sitting there saying, how can she tell us don't walk in doctrine? That's your brain telling you that I'm telling you the wrong thing. But I'm reading you the scriptures. <sighs> Breathe, okay? So in verse 7, the carnal fleshly mind, the natural, here's the Greek word, phrenema, and it's the mentality, the inclination, or to put your affections on something. I, I have been in the place where I put my affections on the doctrine. I was so happy to get into charismatic, spirit-filled doctrine. I'm not kidding you. 32 years ago, I was so happy. I finally got tongues. I finally, like, these scriptures started coming alive to me, and I was like, this is life. This is life. But I could feel myself getting pulled into. Now, I know God was... In the, in, to a degree, not just training me in my own life, but training me to be a teacher. So when I realized, like, you're just loving the doctrine. Why are you just loving the doctrine? The only reason you came to living faith was to get the Holy Spirit. Love the Holy Spirit. <laughs> now, God wasn't saying put aside the doctrine, but he was saying, now that you got this relationship with Holy Spirit, let him tell you how to live in the doctrine. Not how to know the doctrine. And not just how to live like a good Christian, how to stay alive in the doctrine. Because I want you to know that this book, if used the wrong way, this will kill you. This book will kill you. I've seen preachers use it to kill people. Not They didn't know it. They were so sure. Years ago, I had a pastor that taught the, this message called the burning of the barley fields. And he preached it at least twice a year to make sure that the congregation understood that if you get outside the realm of a, a well-behaved Christian and you don't go to church on Sunday, all manner of violence and horrendous things could happen, including he used one testimony of someone who didn't go to church on a Sunday and their child drowned that day in their pool. Come on, guys. Please, Jesus, open us up and wake us up to not misuse this beautiful word that is all about fellowship with the living God to bring people into bondage so they'll be well-behaved church people. Please, Jesus, help us. That's what so's about, guys. It's, it's about even, like, don't let yourself be brought into bondage by such a beautiful gift. What a gift God gave to Adam. Don't eat there because when you eat there you will surely die now this man was in his perfect state he had not fallen yet those words going into him literally there was power for all of mankind for eternity going to that one first man and God simply saying to us just listen to the spirit just follow the Spirit. And if He's not beating you over the head, don't beat yourself over the head. 
Because what happens when we do, we get into pride thinking, well, see, I'm obeying God, I'm obeying God. I'm such a good girl, I'm obeying God. And then we slip to this place of self-dependence. But self-dependence isn't, isn't hooked to God. So that other, the other word there, subject, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. We talked about carnal, uh, phronema. Now that word subject is hupotasso. And this is a posture, this posture of thinking and such is not subject to the law of God. And the meaning of the Greek word is to stand under to stand under. See, the simplicity for Adam would have been, make sure you tell your wife, just the two of you, just don't go to that tree. I mean, that seems so simple to me. But we are intricate beings. And the seduction, I don't believe, I don't believe the serpent, I don't believe Satan said one time, this apple, I don't believe it was one time, I believe it was a seduction. I believe he was there, and there was a form of fellowship taking place. He was always there, and he was always near that tree. And there was a luring. Watch out for your tiny inclinations. And I'm not just talking about dirty deeds. The ones that will take you out of the gracing of Jesus, who loves you more than anything, and let their life spill from his body for you. That's so huge. How did he do that? Because of correct doctrine? Come on, guys. Did Jesus do what he did because of correct doctrine? No. Because he was a good Jew? No. He fellowshiped with God. He was connected to God. You think he ever had temptations? We know he did. Scripture says in every way that we're tempted, he was tempted just like us. But when there was the, he probably was like, I might surely die if I go there. And he would turn to the Father. How do we handle life and death? We've got to demystify some of these things that we say grace covers it all. It surely does. It surely does. But also there is that little seed of something that can take us way off the path of where we will live in the joy and, and the freedom and the peace. There's peace for us. There's such peace. And I, I felt like, I said, Lord, this feels so hard, so heavy. It is heavy. It's heavy because of the, the goodness of the weight of it. It's not heavy because God wants us to get in line. It's heavy because it's a gift. It's a gift. If you're carrying things from your past, if you're, if you've got habits, if you've got anything that you know for you isn't, isn't life, don't freak over it. Just start talking to him about it. Just start talking to him. Don't even say like, oh, where did I let the enemy in? Don't, I'm not mocking that. I've done it. I do it sometimes. But sometimes it's like when I ask that question, he doesn't tell me. Maybe that would bring more pain to know how stupid I was with the door that I opened. Sometimes he's just like, Kath, can we just start from here? You see that that's not appropriate. Just trust me. And sometimes, and I'm practicing, just saying, okay, Jesus, okay. I'll let it go. Uh, okay. If you could read my journals, I mean, like, they are so freaking human. 
But seriously, that's my time. That's not your time. That's my time with him. And we have private conversations because there are things that bug me to no end. And there are things about life that I don't understand. And, and I ask questions and I don't always get an answer, but I always get his presence. He doesn't always tell me because quite frankly, most of it I wouldn't understand. Do you understand that things that go on in our life are things that feel icky in our life? They involve so many other people. Because no man lives to himself and no man dies to himself. Scripture tells us that. So we each have a home of origin. But that home of origin was made of two homes of origin. And then each of those homes of origins were made of two homes of origin. Do you understand the multiplicity of human existence that goes all the way back to that man who was told so simply, don't eat there. But down through history, it's gotten so intricate and so complicated and sometimes so disturbing and disruptive to our thinking, which is why, like Pastor Gavin says, just lean into his thoughts. I mean, he might come and just say, Kathy, don't even think about that right now. Just think about, I love you so much. I've accepted you. And this is the thing that Jesus lived in. He knew the Father had accepted him. I'm going to throw a question out at you that I used to always throw at the students in the training center. I'm not, I'm not telling you, I, I, well, I believe I know what he has said to me about it, but we always talk about Jesus was perfect, perfect. He, he was, the Father said, but he was also human. Do you think his perfection rested in the fact that he never broke doctrine or the fact that he never stepped out of faith or out of the love of God? I just personally don't think he was completely caught up in right and wrong. I think he was caught up in life and death. I think he was caught in, what is life here, Father? What is life here, Father? Because think about it. Even in Gethsemane, when he's on his face, basically sweating blood, because he says, I mean, this is what he says. He's human. He says, if this cup could pass from me, if if we could do this a different way, I mean, if you want to say it in modern English, Father God, could, could we do it a different way? I'm like freaking here. I mean, he knew what crucifixion was, guys. The man was not. He knew. So he's with the Father praying these prayers, and the heart between the lines of those prayers was, Oh, Father God, what is life here and what is death here? Because this is surely my physical death. And he chose to hear the Father say, Your death is life. I mean, God didn't, I didn't see those words, but that's what his heart, his heart was empowered to keep walking, to come out of that garden and to let happen what was going to happen. Sometimes we don't even want to say, um, I'm not even going to give an example because somebody might go into condemnation or I might go into condemnation. But I mean, sometimes we, we put things in a place where let's just breathe with Jesus. I've got 13 minutes. Help me, Jesus. So, hupotasso. Hupotasso. That's that word, stand under. The word suggests. Now listen to this and don't hear it with a legal mindset. That word suggests subordination, but think of it as subordination, obedience, submission. 
You know, obedience and submission are two different things. You can obey and have a really lousy, sucky attitude, not be submissive at all. I'm just saying. So that word, its fullness is yielding to. What if Adam had just yielded into that and said, oh, wow, Eve, you know, I was talking, I was talking to God, and this is like there's, there's something there that we're just, we just need to not be involved in. Didn't go down like that. But God knew, and he already had a garden. He already had us planned. He already had Jesus planned. Okay, now the next, pat, next scripture. Um, let me just read this statement. The pattern, that's that hupotasso where, you know, standing under, because that's what God gave Adam in the garden, was a place to hupotasso, a place to hide under. He gave him shade that that other tree could never give him. This pattern or posture is at odds with God, that carnal fleshly mind. It cannot hupotasso. So that posture is at odds with God. It cannot be in agreement with God. It cannot be connected to him or do things his way, which is why just doing doctrine right doesn't mean you're going to be doing it God's way. I just know some of you are going to walk out of this room and the enemy is going to try and put paranoia on you. Don't go there. Just don't even receive it. Don't receive it. Because what God wants all of us to see tonight is don't expect punishment every time you're trying to walk the right way. Just walk with me. James 4, 7. Um, let's go there real quick. I think I can do it. 11 minutes now. Because this, I'm going to give you something that should be the cherry on this Sunday. Okay? James 4, 7. The New King James says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, um, the same word, okay, submit to God is the same word, hupotasso. So tuck yourself, yield to God. What I want, this, this is so exciting to me. Ever like been taught about resisting the devil? Just resist the devil. And we're taught entire like spirit realm teachings and entire books are written on how to resist the devil and how to fight the devil and how to fight him in prayer and how to fight him in worship. I'm not saying all of that is wrong. I'm just saying the focus is always on how can I resist the devil? How can I resist him? He's this creep. He's scum. He tricked Adam. He could trick me. It's the same simplicity that was in Genesis 2 when God said, don't eat at that tree or you'll surely die. James 4 says, James 4, 7 says, therefore, submit Hupatasso with God. I believe, deep in my heart, that when we submit to God, the resistance is built into the submission. When you yield into God, he, he's the provider. When you submit to him, when, when I'm thinking crazy and he's like, Kathy, don't think about it that way. You're looking at it wrong. And I lean into his thinking, I just had the power to resist the thought. Instead of trying to fight the thought, I'm just going to say, Jesus said, don't think like that. That thought came back. Shut up. Jesus said, don't think like that. 
It's kind of like if, you know, a dog is like this little ankle biter is biting at you and you're like, stop biting. I mean, so you pick him up and say, I'm going to set you over here, you little bugger, and I'm going to shut the door. You're not going to bite me anymore. Sometimes it's so simple, we don't see it. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. I'm going to tell you what. If God, if we draw near to God and give him the privilege to, like, suck in tight with us, when you got the power of God, come on, guys, we're making the devil way too big. We're making obedience way too hard. We're making, you know, submission. Just yield in with God. God says if you just yield in... Because he's looking at our hearts. What if you're not yielding the right way? That's what I would always say to myself a lot. Is this enough? You know, am I yielding the right way? He's looking at my heart. He's not looking like, let me see if I can take a measurement of this. Let me take my measure tape out. Let me look and see how many scriptures have you spoken today? And how long did you sit in the quiet place with me and journal? He's not looking at any of that stuff. Whoever taught you that in church, I got taught some of that stuff. No. I've even been taught, like, how to approach God. I get it, scriptures. But sometimes we take the scriptures and we make legalistic bondage. How do, how do you approach God? Turn around and say, Father God, I need you. I mean, what did Jesus do in the Garden of Gethsemane? He cried out. He said what he actually felt. Father, if this could pass from me, if this cup could pass, nevertheless, That's what I want, and I want what you want. I think sometimes if we ask God in our moments of difficulty, what do you want, God? He'd say, I want you to walk in peace, God. Because when you walk in peace, you will permeate the earth with peace. Why? Psalm 24, we're doors and gates. If you think there's a funky atmosphere on the earth, Guess who it came from? Humans. It came from humans. You go on and and you look at the other parts of James and it says where, you know, right before this part is where do wars and all this stuff come from? It comes from your own carnal desires. You want this, you want that, and you fight to get it. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Some of the King Jamesy stuff is like, ugh. But, but all it's really saying is like, bring it down to simple terms. You know, just submit to God. The resistance is in that flow. I hope that if you get nothing else from tonight, you will understand that because of what we saw in Genesis 2, and basically God is saying to Adam, I'm giving you the opportunity to choose life. Just obey me. He didn't say that to Adam, but he was like, just don't eat there because you'll die. Now, if God was communing with Adam, which he was, it was prior to the fall, the understanding for everything, I mean, Adam was this way with God. It was before any separation. So the empowerment to resist was right there in those words. So that word submit is the same word, hupatasa, submit to God, connect, commune, come under his persuasion and his communication, and watch what he does in your life.
if you're a person that feels as though things feel very complicated and you feel like maybe you're you're willing to acknowledge, okay, I did some things that made this very complicated. Talk to him, because he may not want you to go in and unravel and unscramble the utter mess. Quite frankly, some of my mess, I, I don't have the power to unravel it. Some of it I know is my decisions. Some of my decisions were made because I, you know, when I did some inner healing stuff and all years ago, there were things at play in my home of origin. There, there was um, a lot of impurity in the home. I was not harmed, you know, sexually or anything, but my father was a different man than who I knew. And he was a good father to me, but he had another life. And so there were things at play there that opened up an atmosphere. So for me to go back and try to redo everything, I mean, I've even thought about like, Lord, you know, is that something I should get so zoned? And I, I feel like he said, not that. Not that. I've already saved you there. And part of the salvation is just don't go back to that tree. You see, sometimes he wants us to focus on the new garden that he's building with us. Um, if he says you know, deal with certain things, then do, because then he's saying, I'm taking you to my tree regarding that situation. Does this make sense to you guys? I just think God wants to simplify some things in the body of Christ. And and I think um, one of my one of my feelings, well not one of my feelings, but my my perspective is that um, what's happening in the earth with God taking us to that simple place of living from within our hearts, within our spirits, um, by the power of God. All of Pastor Gavin's teaching is going that direction. And I would almost say to you, don't necessarily, if some of you may be, all of the words may make sense to you and all that, but if some of it doesn't seem exactly like how you've learned, you know, our spiritual existence and how we're the different parts of us, don't struggle so hard for how he words it. Go for the inspiration, because the man is getting before God all the time. Lord, how do you want me to feed your family? How do you want me to feed your family? And he is a man that doesn't want to bring legalism. He doesn't want to bring bondage, but he is a man of this word. I mean, his dad is the word man that started this church. So this is a word church. It's just that this word is worth far more than doctrine in our brain. And so I feel like that's what God is doing in the earth. He's wanting to take us all to a place where we learn to live from deep inside where God speaks to us, just like he did with Jesus, just like he did with Adam, just like he did with all of the Old Testament saints. You want to trip out? I mean, doctrine makes me trip out because, you know, I was raised in a... You're going to freak over this one and I'm putting it out on tape. Um, But I mean, I was told God doesn't hear anything from anybody until they've said the sinner's prayer. And I come into the full gospel, and I'm, I find out he talked to everybody in the Old Testament. All these prophets, he talked to Abram. I mean, Abram's out in the middle of the desert, basically chanting at the sun and moons, you know, like the original mystic uh, New Ager. And God comes and chooses to make him the father of faith. Now, I don't know about you, but that messes with my doctrine. No, seriously, it messes with my doctrine. But then Jesus says, you don't have to straighten out all the doctrine from all the ages from Abraham's day, Kath. That's not your responsibility. 
I'm saying live in life. So I say, you clearly spoke, spoke life to Abram. Clearly. What words are coming to me for life? How do I handle my existence? How am I? I take it so seriously, guys, how accountable I am to love you guys and to tell you the truth and to tell you about my journey. And, and I'm never saying, don't read this word and don't respect doctrine. But I am telling you, when you learn doctrine, get with God with that doctrine or it will bind your feet to the ground and you'll never fly the way God wants you to fly. I don't have to live the doctrine the way Jesus did. However, I will live life the way Jesus did. And he will still come to us and talk to us by his spirit how he handled things and tell us how to handle. So, Father, we, we honor you. You are so good. Thank you that you gave such a gift to Adam. And, and we're not judging him tonight for however he handled or mishandled. We thank you, Father, that you're willing to show us in your word how simply you wanted to protect him. You didn't want to bring paranoia or fear. And so, Father, we thank you that you, you want to do the same thing with us. You want to show us truth the way that we're each individually supposed to walk in it. And I thank you, Father, for what you're doing in the embodiment of Christ in the earth right now in this day. You're bringing us to a fuller maturity. You're causing us to put our gifts together. You're causing us to accept one another. And you're teaching us that in learning to accept one another, different denominations and everything, that you're actually teaching us to accept people from out in the world. Because not everyone is going to be like us. They're going to come into you, Jesus, and they're going to walk your word perhaps differently than we do. So, Father, we just thank you tonight for your living word. We thank you for what you're doing. And so I, I pray, Father, that, that you would minister this word more specifically than, than I was able to with each person. I pray that there will be no condemnation, that there'll be no paranoia, that there'll be no confusion. And where confusion, they might feel it. I thank you, Father, they just put that aside and say, I, I'm not supposed to look at that. I thank you, Holy Spirit, you come to guide so strategically. And so I speak peace and, and provision from you, Father God, with this living word in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. No condemnation, no bondage, in Jesus' name. Freedom and joy and peace. Thank you so much, Holy Spirit, for the work you're doing and so. Thank you that there's just so much more that you want to do. And so we're preparing our hearts to receive what you want for 2023. Hard to believe that we're coming to that point. But Jesus, we say, do what you want to do with so so that many will come to freedom in Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys so much.